You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to Into Costume a podcast in support of the Costume Industry Coalition. Each episode, I chat with costume industry insiders about the intricate process of creating iconic looks for stage or screen. My name is Devario Simmons, and I'm a costume designer, educator, and host. Thank you for joining us today. This week, we have a winner of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6, Bianca Del Rio, legendary costume designer, Greg Barnes, and owner of Signet Studios, Coco DuPont. All right. Thank you, three, for being here today with me on Into Costume. Um, we have Bianca Del Rio, out of drag. Yeah. As Roy Haylock. Um, we have Coco DuPont of Signet Studios and the legend, Greg Barnes. How are you three doing today? Good. So good. Well, you know, I just want to start off um, getting to know you a little bit more. Um, Roy, how did you even start this whole thing? Like, give us a little bit of background of like drag into New York and entertainment. Well, the crazy thing was uh, in New Orleans, where I'm from, I started out in, uh, you know, high school, just in drama. Uh, I think I was dramatic enough. Well, as we say, we say dramatic, but technically it's called gay. So I was very gay in high school. And um, I had a teacher, uh, a drama teacher, who basically introduced me to theater. You know, she was like, do you know how to sew? Do you know how to act? I'm like, sure, sure, sure. Sign me up. So all of it led to she was choreographing a show at a dinner theater random and they needed help with costumes it was a woman by the name of mary martin not the mary martin larry hackman's mother not that old but there's um there was a woman named mary martin who needed some help with costumes i didn't know what i was doing but i started to help her with that at the local dinner theater and that just kind of snowballed into like random uh uh, productions in new orleans at the time and then i ended up performing in the shows because they always needed someone to you know fill in a small part and i was already there so it was just this weird snowball effect that i didn't expect so to speak um and then it led me to new york in 2005 and that's where i met these fabulous people so it was this 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 weird um this weird combination of both and i think once you get to new york i was basically working at the shop during the day and then doing drag at night you know when you're in new york you do anything to pay your rent so i picked two really stable careers drag and costumes <laughs> <laughs> It was a wild journey. I didn't plan it. I didn't expect it or assume uh, that any of this was going to be 
the end result. So it's been a wild journey, a wild journey. So you worked at Signet Studios with Coco. What did you do there? Well, actually, all of us met at Barbara Matera, which was uh, 890 Broadway, this amazing costume house, if people aren't familiar, this you know company that built every show you can imagine over the past, what, 40, 50 years, Greg, I believe, somewhere in there, something crazy. So she was at the shop, Greg was designing shop. And when I got there, Greg was designing uh, Drowsy Chaperone and the Rockettes at the time, the nude, uh, the nude beaded ones that Coco did and all of that was happening at the same time. So that's where I met Greg, that's where I met Coco. And then uh, many years after Barbara Matera closed, Coco opened her own studio, which is the, where I joined her over there. So Greg, so Coco, how long has your shop been open? Uh, we opened in 2011. What made you want to jump into the owning of a shop moments? Uh, I guess I just really wanted to um, ha have control, <laughs> which, <laughs> in <laughs> which in Matera's I didn't feel I really had. And I, I came in to, at Matera's at sort of a, a transition time. You know, I, I joined um, uh, them and then a year later was 9-11 and then Barbara died. So it was a very um, difficult time. And then when Matera's closed, I loved the work. I wanted to keep doing it. And I couldn't really see myself working for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, this is the time I was, you know, I was in my mid fifties and I thought this is it. You know, um, I should do it if I'm going to do it. So then my partner and I, my domestic partner, and I started the shop. So good. What would you say your specialty is at your shop? I, I believe that it's ballet. I am one of the only maybe two or three people in the city that make um, professional tutus, but also mm. other ballet costumes. But... <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if it's really my specialty. I like pretty things. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> and Greg Bonds. Look, we've all gawked at all of your creations from like everything that you've ever designed. How are you doing today? I'm really good. I'm really good. Let's talk about your career a little bit. I mean, even when I was in grad school, like we all just like looked at all of your creations. So how did you get started in costume design? Oh my gosh. I mean, Sort of, I don't want to say it was a fluke because in many ways, like probably all of us, everything in our life was conspiring to get us to this place, but it didn't necessarily mean that as a seven-year-old, you're labeling yourself a costume designer, you know? But I was, uh, I'm from San Diego and um, I decided when I got out of high school that I was going to be a teacher. And the only thing I thought I had any passion for was literature. So I became a, a linguistics major with an emphasis in dramatic literature. So <laughs> I know it's not crazy. So, <laughs> so point being, I was not a, a drawing. And uh, I mean, I always kind of was out of the corner of my eye if somebody was painting or a cra anything uh, engaged in a craft. I was fascinated with, but I wasn't doing it myself. So um, I took a course uh, that was an elective. Uh, it was a kind of a costume history class. And there was a professional designer coming to town to talk to their grad students. His name is Robert Morgan. He's my, you know, idol. And basically I walked in there with really, really, really nothing to show. And Bob Morgan said, go to New York. You're the one. 
go to NYU. And, and I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. I don't know why everyone's trying to pump me up with false promises, you know. So here I am, 21 years old. I was literally two weeks from graduating from with my BFA in, in literature. And uh, I spent the next, you know, couple years um, learning how to draw and make a hat. Bad. I apologize to all the milliners. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly, oh, my cross stitch is renowned. <laughs> Coco doesn't know that about me, but <laughs> I think it's renowned. Wow. You know, I think um, you have such a great signature with your costumes. Like when I see them designed, I'm like, I know that Greg did these are such great attention to detail, such great colors. Everything just makes so much sense. How did you develop your sense of artistry and costume design? I think it comes from being a, ling a linguistics major. It's an interesting thing. You know, I, I there's something about the story. And I try to uh, always make the work be a good storyteller and to be a good um, a good uh, collaboration with the actor, um, so that so that it the the whatever I do transcends uh, just being a costume. I don't even like that word actually. I like to think of it as clothing for a purse, a, a character to tell a story. I cared about what the inside of something looked like. And I cared about the eighth inch thing that nobody in the audience can see because I thought that it helped the actor feel more intimate with the, the clothing. And that's one thing I, I can say safely about Coco's work. To me, what makes her a signature artist is that her finish is breathtaking literally it's the kind of thing where it makes you want to cry when you see the finish is so and also i have to say when you go to coco to talk about the project you know there are some people that uh they don't want it they just want to know where the zipper is you know what i mean and then there are some people that want to know the story because i think by repeating where the characters come from, where they're going, what the arc of the vision is, they figure out how they're going to add to that, how they can be not just a dressmaker, even though that's a very high calling, but they're a dressmaker who's also a storyteller. So that's kind of a... And can I say something about Roy just while I have the microphone? For sure, for sure. Go oh, for God. it. When Roy blew in to Barbara Madera's, and I, I think of Roy as being the sweetest man I know and also the tardest man I know. <laughs> Perfect description. And, um, you know, fascinating. All you had to do was just look at him and know that you'd think there's a lot of tables in this room, but the one I want to be at for the next hour here that guy is working. My mom always used to say that people generally, when they enter a room, they either suck the life out of the room or they bring life into the room. And to seek for the people that, br are, that bring life. And Roy and Coco are, that, 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 oh. that's who they are. Oh. Well, I, I must like tell you, 
I must tell you this. I was I was a huge fan of Greg Braun's work, and there's a book called Costume Design that was that is a it's a great book, but they, they used to have a cover on it. But I remember mm. going to Barnes and Noble on seventy second, I believe it was uh, in New York, and I went there, and I didn't have money for the book, so I stole the book <laughs> from Barnes and Noble, <laughs> and I still have the book to this day. So I knew of Greg's work way back then. I mean, this is pre Google. This is pre internet. You know, we didn't have any of that shit back then. Yeah, so I'm a thief. Amazing. A thief. <laughs> so, Roy, you were at Signet working, and then Bianca took over. How long were you at Signet before Bianca took over? I had been in drag for quite some time. Uh, it was just that once we left Barbara Matera and Coco opened her own shop, I came aboard there because, you know, it was like, okay, what do we do in this city? Like, this is what we do. This is what it's about. She took, you know, a huge risk of saying, hey, let me do this company. And when I worked at Matera's, I didn't work with Coco. I had another boss there, but then we lived near each other uptown. And so it just seemed to make sense. I was like, sure, let's do it. You know, I, I wasn't going to get a real job doing something else normal. Uh, that usually <laughs> doesn't work out for me. So, um, yeah, we started working there and it was basically she and I, you know, she was in charge and draping and I was there to cut things out and put things together. So drag had always been a part of my life. But when the time came for her shop, I was there a couple of years. And then in 2013 is when I did RuPaul's Drag Race, which kind of changed the game for me then. But up until then and even after filming, which all happened in 2013 is when I filmed it. Um, I was still back at the shop until my travel schedule kind of took over. And then it was also like, you know, it was one of those things where you just created these relationships and then it was just a huge part of my life. So, you know, as as I was working for her and she was paying me, it was helping me and it was an outlet and it was, you know, it, there's just something about, I think when you're working with very talented people, I always say you're only as good as the company you keep. So you'd be an asshole not to work with Coco or with Greg or to even learn from them because I'm just fascinated with the process and the choices they make and, you know, the skill set, you know, it's like anytime you can have a conversation with them, sit down, ask a question, and they're more than willing to answer it and also uh, compromise. I mean, they're brilliant with compromising. I think that's what, especially when you're designing something, you have your vision and, and Greg was always all ears and Coco was, oh, what about this? What about that? It, I think that that's probably the most important thing that you can ever learn from, from talented people. I also, I'd also like to say that, you know, the work that we do, both Greg and I, it involves um, working with a lot of people. Some of them are easy to work with. Some of them are not easy to work with. But with someone like Roy, all of the work that we do together, there's a joy and a positivity working with him and with Greg also. It's one of the reasons I love both of these men. But Roy, as Greg was saying, in that process, in that work process, even when it's a difficult job or or something is asymmetrical, Roy. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even then, he's such a joy to work with um, that you you know going into work and making these things uh, it really makes a difference to surround yourself. Uh, with people um, who uh, who are funny, <laughs> who can make you laugh, and and uh, and still do uh, still do the work, and that's one of the great things about Roy is, is he has both of those things. Now, don't cross him. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> no, but I think I think I th- I agree with what you say. And you know, anytime Greg makes anything, you know, you can't help but put it on. You know, we ha- you Uh-oh. have to try it Uh-oh. on. So we always put it on. <laughs> we always put it on. Um, so it, it's just it's an amazing. It, it just for me, as I said, you know, I was this this kid who stole a book from a library, getting to work with these people that made everything that I've ever seen or knew as costume. You know, and and not that I planned on being a drag queen, but I always had such. Uh, uh, passion about clothes and how they're made. And, you know, I mean, I'm coming from a place where I'm putting in zippers for Miss Mary Martin at a dinner theater, not even knowing what I'm doing, but just doing it. And through that, the skill set that I learned from these two people about design and also construction was just, I mean, that's stuff you don't learn in school. You know, you don't learn that at FIT. You don't learn that uh, unless it's hands on, you know. I I agree completely. I mean, actually, the three of us are sort of a, a good example of that. Um, Greg, of course, you went on to to study at NYU, but your talent was there. Roy, you just were born with it. And I didn't study at all. I, you know, I learned to sew from my mother. I was a stay at home mom for 19 years. Wow. I I went and I applied for work at Matera's and they were busy. So they hired me. It was a fluke, honestly. It, the work the work appealed to me and I happened to have a natural capacity, but I never thought I wanted to be a dancer for God's sakes, you know, <laughs> and then and then I got pregnant <laughs> and had five children. So so the three of us, I think, came to this work in a very unusual path. Yes. We didn't we didn't choose it per se, which yeah. is interesting. And we yeah. You know, we all love it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Costume Industry Coalition was launched to advocate for the survival of New York City's custom costume industry. Collectively, CIC members employ hundreds of artisans and costuming experts. Their costumes are seen on stages and screen worldwide. To learn more about CIC and how you can get involved or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit www.costumeindustrycoalition.com. In these trying times, many are not in the position to give, but you can always help by spreading the word. So, Roy, you win Drag Race. Yeah. You win Drag Race season six. You start producing and writing and doing your own movies. And you have the opportunity to call up some friends <laughs> and 
So, so Greg designed a beautiful dress. Can we get some background on this gown that um, Greg designed for you? Well, it was it was a weird situation because when we were working at Matera's one day, well, the thing was, you always knew Greg was in the shop when you'd hear his cackle. Greg has the best cackle. And Greg and another brilliant artist by the name of Jeff Fender, uh, when they would come into the shop together, nothing <laughs> would get accomplished because you hear two two gays cackling and I go running. So one day, uh, one day after work, I remember we were all around shooting the shit because I would usually stay after work to do whatever the hell I was trying to get done for myself. So it's after hours were cackling and there was something that came up once about a wedding. It was something about a wedding dress. And I said, you know, I need a wedding dress. So we're all cackling about me getting married because the deal was at Barbara Matera, anybody who worked there usually had a dress designed by someone and then it was made in the shop free of charge and i'm like well how the hell do i get one of these dresses like you know i'm never going to get married but i'm thinking you know what let me get a free dress out of this game so <laughs> i i kept thinking no one's going to marry me so let me think on this cut to years later uh my friend matt kugelman uh had written this film and so right after drag race it all happens and i greg was at the shop one day with coco and we were just cackling about this and this and greg's like what you gonna wear he said we he said something about doing a dress for me and i'm like okay well i don't know the whole plot because i haven't read the script yet but this dress is going in the show whatever it is we're gonna make this happen so greg sent like a pencil sketch of something and like all right oh, i was thinking you know this is very bianca and i'm like sold he's like well this isn't the sketch i go no no we're good we're good we're making this <laughs> so i tell my friend matt kugelman i go i don't care what the f happens in this movie we have to find a way to put me in this dress and he's like oh this is perfect you know all about the villain and coming in and this glamorous moment so um so that's basically how how it happened and you know when you're doing like an independent film there is no money there's nothing you know that can happen but here it was as a favor these two made this magic happen for me we were all uh uh, but the four musketeers um, all got to be involved. And but you know what's so amazing about uh, you know Jeff, Coco, and Greg is that it's literally nothing is a problem. And I I don't know if if that translates to anyone else, but it's like oh it's going to be silk. Okay, no, we should make it out of this. Oh, we're going to paint this, so we think it should be this type of velvet. And nothing is ever that's a problem. I think I come from a place, especially as a drag queen, you know, there's never enough time, there's never enough money. This is what you're stuck with at the store. They made it happen. I mean, Jeff Fender's like, well, we can paint all of that fabric. I'm like, who, what the, how? Like, but it's just effortless for all of them. Oh, we can do this, we can do that. And there was um, uh, a, a slight change in the dress where Coco was like, well, I think this would look better on Bianca around, because it's a drag queen. I think it should be smoother here uh, to, to, to accentuate. And Greg was like, perfect, I like that better so it was this collaborative effort but yet they make it so easy i remember i was in texas filming the movie because it had cheap tax laws for us to film there so it's boiling in texas and i'm already like maybe a week into it coco had sent a mock-up for me to uh you know to to fit the dress so we fit it in one of the classrooms we were in. We sent her fitting photos. They congregate and make the magic. Then the dress is sent to me. And I had been in Texas, I think at that point, like two weeks, sweating, sweating my ass off in the middle of summer, just like, eh, and you know, complaining every day. A typical me, a movie for me, about me. I'm in every scene and I'm complaining, typical. <laughs> so in the midst of this, this dress shows up and this dress is so amazing. I, I, it was just like, okay, I, I didn't feel any element 
performance. I was suddenly cool. I stopped complaining. I, I mean, I'm in velvet out in the sun going, this is fine. I'm <laughs> Barnes velvet. I'm fine. So yeah, it was, it was amazing to get to wear. And I, of course I still have it. I, I always say I'm going to keep it for a drag museum at some point in my life. Cause I go, Ooh, this is mine. Yes. I love that. Greg, what was your inspiration when you started designing that dress for your then friend? Like you all were friends by then. We had become a family. How was that? Um, you know, it was funny. One, one little step in the process that Roy beautifully spoke about in terms of how it came about, we had dinner at Coco's. And if you ever get a chance, designing a dress is nothing to get to eat dinner at Coco's house. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I think of the things I would do to have dinner at Coco's house. The dress is nothing. I mean, that's just, uh, she's the most incredible cook. But somebody at the table said something about a moment where when be when be when the hurricane I said, what does it mean hurricane Bianca? And they were like, well, she's gonna come down this dusty road and she's gonna be pissed. And she's, you know, it's like she's full blown, you know, the the the, the sweet tart is tart. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I I started to like look at the ages of Roy, uh, Bianca, and uh, the, he had a dress with a hood, so I thought, oh yeah, 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 that's good for vengeance, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I don't know, I just uh, uh, the, the the hem of the dress um, is all uh, hand painted china silk. That's like the summoning of a storm. So that we've got our hurricane going on. So it's a little bit fashion. It's a lot, Roy. So we ended up, I, and actually Coco made it much better than I drew it, but I thought there should be some angry slashing going on here. So we, uh, if you know the dress, it's got the, on the hips, it's got the, it looks like a tiger has come and like, you know, rent dress. And then the bust. The bust also. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a little tear moogler, you know. So I, anyway, it's like a potpourri. It's a it's a stew of, you know, a lot of things. And it was funny that we didn't see Roy in it. Uh, I yes. you know, I never saw Roy in it because he was gone. I didn't either. Yeah. yeah. And but I knew it, uh, when I saw it on the dress stand. I thought this is going to be so fucking. Fierce. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, as, as I said before, the crazy thing is that even though I worked in the costume shop and even though, you know, I had access to all of this stuff, we always call it, there was this, there's this in-between construction, you know, uh, the clothes that Coco makes, it's couture. I mean, this is like made for Broadway it's, it's and, and ballet and it's meant to, you know, hold up eight performances a week. And so here I was a drag queen, which normally it's just throw the fabric on the floor, cut it out, make it work. Uh, maybe it has a zipper, maybe it has a hem. So I was in that in between phase where it was like, okay, well, you can do it right up until this point, but then you realize, you know, we don't have the couture hours, we don't have the schedule, we don't have the time. So I would usually do a lot of that myself. So this was the first time I had anything that was exquisitely made and draped in bus cups and boning that was done for me that I had nothing to do with. So usually I'm wrangled up in there trying to make it myself. So this was the first time that I was that, um, 
that that little fancy girl that had this custom dress, you know? So it was, it was, it was like this amazing full circle moment for me because I know what it takes. And knowing the ladies that put it together that I've worked with many, many times, it was just, it was just this amazing little um grouping of of everything and everybody I knew. So I felt very special in it. Yeah, Bianca got her wedding dress. I it's got so my great. wedding dress. <laughs> I just need to get the man, but I got the wedding dress. <laughs> so good. <laughs> So, like right now, and where the times that we're living, hopefully we're coming out of such an unfortunate time, and we're hoping and it's looking like live entertainment's coming back. And Coco, I want to ask you about Signet Studios and how it's doing and how you all weathered um, the pandemic. Well, that's a that's a a tricky question, actually, <laughs> because uh, we during this time. Um, basically decided that we didn't really want to be in New York anymore. So although we still have our apartment in New York, it is on the market. And we had um, actually moved the studio from our space on 39th Street to our brownstone in Harlem. So we had already scaled down a little bit. Then when the pandemic hit, on a certain level, we were one of the fortunate ones because we didn't have to pay rent. Um, of course, my stitchers, they could go on un unemployment, but, and that was, un you know, unfortunate, but at least they were covered with that, like all the other stitchers at, um, in the costume shops. But at that time, we basically decided that we didn't really want to be in New York. So we bought a beautiful house in Vermont, <laughs> which I am at right now, in which Roy came up and helped me um, set up a studio here. So I think that we have become one of those studios that are going to work outside of New York. That said, I'm available. I'll <laughs> yeah. come to New York. You know, Greg, if you have a project that you're going to bring to one of my competitors, tell them I'll come and work for them just so I can work for you. <laughs> well, I think I think that's where we all are. It's like, you know, this pandemic in, in, in general has just shown us that obviously everyone is doing things virtually. Everything is everybody's doing things from home. So it's kind of like this crazy uh, moment where you're like, there was a time when I thought, well, you can't not make this in New York or you can't not travel and do fitting. It's crazy what we're doing. Look what we're doing now. You know, it, it is fascinating. So it's making the best of the situation. So I think this is a, a good thing without the stress of having, you know, the New York rents or being in the city, which is obviously extremely overwhelming for everyone right now. The world is most definitely changing uh -huh. in, in every way possible. Um, in closing, I just want to ask all three of you if you want to share any new things on the docket that's going to be coming up for you all. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I think everything has been on, <laughs> everything has been on hold. It's been on for hold. Me. No, everything has been on hold for the past year. And you know, I've been hoping to to get back. I don't want to say normal because I don't think the world is going to be normal again, which is maybe a good thing. I think this uh, cultural reset, this this pause we've had. I had been on the road since Drag Race, so this was the first time I had been home for a year. But um, uh, yeah, everything was on hold, and slowly now things are kind of maybe turning around, which fingers crossed happens soon. So I have 
have a, a new tour that I'm hoping to travel with by the end of the year if routing and all that works out. Um, but I'm used to working in, in, in venues where you have, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 people. And with this social distancing and I do meet and greets every night, we haven't been able to, to do that. And there's it's really horrible for comedy to be in a, a thousand seat venue with four people. Although I've had it. I've had it in my life. <laughs> Trust me. Um, that it's it's that type of thing. So we're just kind of waiting for the world to open back up. Uh, uh, I'm still mad at Australia because they're living their lives right now. They're all in clubs dancing to Lady Gaga. That's the real tragedy. But <laughs> I, um, I, I, fingers crossed, hoping that we can get back to live theater at some point. And I think Coco, I'm sure Coco and Greg feel the same way. It's like for as sure. creatives, as creatives, you have to have an outlet, you know, and, and there's only so much we can do for ourselves. <laughs> so we have to go create. So uh, I've been doing things I didn't expect to do over the past year, but fingers crossed for new and exciting projects to come. The thing for me is that I do hope to do more costume work. I really do. I love the work and it'd be very sad for me to not do it. But as Roy said, I'm a maker. I'm a doer. I cook. I'm a crazy avid gardener. And that is where most of my creative energy is going right now. Like some of the other big shop owners, Barbara was a big gardener. Um, you know, many of them are. We find no matter what the situation is, pandemic or otherwise, we create, we make. And I'm sure Greg feels the same way. And I hope, I hope that I find myself with some projects. But if not, I'll keep making things. And I'll make dinner. Greg, yeah. come visit. <laughs> I've been to the house. You would love it, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got a few, uh, quite a few things percolating. And uh, one thing I'll say to the, if there are designers watching this, which I imagine there will be, I'm 40, almost 46, 64, sorry. <laughs> oh, <dear. Oops. laughs> I'm 46. But I'm 64. And my whole career life for the last, I've been in New York 41 years. And so for the first time in my life, I've been able to, uh, on this project I'm working about, which I don't think I should mention the name of it, but it's a new musical and it's big and it's going to be challenging because nobody's going to obviously have any money. But I've been able to do it in a more civilized way. I have, to, I've, I've nothing but time. So if, if there's a problem that I'm not sure how to solve, I can let it, you know, um, percolate. I don't have to solve the problem because it has to be in Coco's hands in the morning, you know. So that's just the nature of what we do, and um, and also for me, even though I'm, I'm I'm trying to find the silver lining to COVID, which I'm not sure there really is one, but but bear with me. Is that um, you know, everybody that I know at a certain point, we find ourselves huddled in a corner saying, why are we still doing this? Why are we still doing this? Can't we do anything else? And I hope I never say that again. I hope that I've found a way to organize my cluttered mind so that I am always, you know, you brought up the word joy, um, Coco, and I think it's too, you can't, approach that lightly. You have to find a place to work from a place of joy. It affects the work. Um, but more importantly, it, you know, otherwise you're just a crazy person with, you know, a lot of bad compulsive habits <laughs> so, to survive, you know? So anyway, I hope that, um, I hope that at the end of all this, we have some peace and some joy and, uh, 
get to make beautiful things and, you know, work with beautiful people. Same. I want to thank you three for being with me today. You know, I, this, what I get out of this conversation is just that I keep hearing no problem, no problem, it's no true. problem. It's and true. I love that. And, and it reminds me of a quote of one of my old professors that used to say, champions adjust. Oh. Um, and I really, really think that everyone here has found a way to adjust. So thank you so much um, for being with us today. This has been Into Costume. Thanks to the Broadway Podcast Network for their support. If you have any feedback on today's episode, find us on our Twitter handle at IntoCostume. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to learn more about the Costume Industry Coalition, please visit their website at costumeindustrycoalition.com. Remember to subscribe and rate on whatever platform you're using and join us again next time for more stories to get you into costume. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.